Going back to my roots, going back to our Métis values just literally saved my life. I don't think I would have survived in this industry without having something that grounded me. That's Andrea Menard, award-winning Métis actress, singer, and playwright. He's our guest on Piki UK, the Métis Culture Podcast, brought to you by the Métis Nation Saskatchewan and Canadian Geographic. Welcome, Pitigwe Tanshikia. I'm Leah Marie Dorian. I'm a Métis artist and writer living near Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and the host of Piki UK. Piki UK means come and visit, and on this series, we invite you to join us as we go on a journey. Exploring our rich Michif language and Métis culture. Tanse. Tanse. Over 10 episodes, we travel to Métis communities all over Saskatchewan, talking with Michif elders, educators, artists, and cultural leaders, and learning about what they are doing to keep the Michif language and culture vibrant and alive for future generations. Masi, enjoy. Our guest today is Andrea Menard. You may know her from her starring roles in film and on TV, like the series Blackstone on Netflix. When's Daryl picking up your father? That's a good question. Maybe we should take him to a, I don't know, a home. They can look after him there. Oh, that's a brilliant idea, Debbie. I said maybe. He falls. He sits in front of the TV all day, bitchin'. I don't know what to do with them. He drives me nuts. Welcome to my world. Or from public speaking and TED Talks, or her work as a singer-songwriter. Like in this track, My Winter Song, using the Métis language Michif, Andrea's career has been grounded in her Métis roots, growing up in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. While she has won many awards over her career and sung command performances for royalty, Andrea has always found inspiration in her Métis culture. Andrea divides her time between Saskatoon and Vancouver, which is where I reached her. Andrea Menard, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Leah, I'm so glad to be here. Hi, Andrea, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm happy to be here, Leah, truly. Thank you. Um, um, well, I'm a Métis woman um, from St. Laurent, Manitoba. That's where my family, Métis family originates from. But I was not born there. I was born in Manitoba in Flin Flon and moved all across the Prairie Provinces and, and spent time in Saskatchewan. Um, and now I'm living in the unceded traditional territory of the Coast Salish people, the Squamish, the Slavitooth and the Musqueam people. Yeah, Andrea, we have had such a history together going to high school here in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, both doing work in the Métis community here in Saskatchewan. And we like to claim ownership of you and your success because <laughs> we had a lot of years with you in our arts community. Andrea, can you share with me what it means to you to be Métis? Oh, our Métis, you know, it means to be connected to this place, to be connected to the land, to be a, a bridge. Not that that's, you know, I've been told that's not necessarily the best word because then people will walk on you. But, <laughs> but ultimately, if you think of what a bridge does, um, it connects communities that sometimes can be at great odds. 
And so I would say that the work that I do, and I know, Leah, the work that you do, what we have in common, and a lot of our Métis brothers and sisters that we work with, they have a common desire to bring balance and unity and um, just peace to our peoples, you know, because we have such great lineages and we see the best in both, which is why the Métis community thrived, is that we brought the beautiful qualities of both our lineages of European and First Nations ancestry. Um, And so to be Métis is to be connected to this place, connected to this land, and to be um, a peacemaker, a a unifier in 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 the bigger sense, in the broader sense. Andrea, I really appreciate your insight. You know, I've watched your career and followed it all my life. And I've noticed how you have had that beautiful gift of mobility in your artistic practice. Mm -hmm. And you've been a successful um, artist in so many genres. And now that you're based out of Vancouver, you're doing music, television, acting, public speaking, you're writing now. And you've always maintained close ties here in Saskatchewan. How important is it to you to always have that Saskatchewan connection with this community? Well, that's the place where the public me was birthed, right? You know, I mean, I was just a little Métis kid who, you know, loved the kitchen party and, you know, with my dad was the kitchen party king and and my mom harmonized and, and you know, dancing and, you know, but all of that was the private family stuff. And, and the Métis community of Saskatchewan just helped me make the leap from private performer, you know, for family functions, just like my dad, to public performer. And, you know, it it held my hand along the way because there was there was some uncertainty. I know so many people within theater, for instance, I would come into theater and all of these young non-Indigenous people had been in um, music lessons and they'd been in dance lessons and theater and acting their entire lives as though this was part of their upbringing. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you guys trained for this stuff? You know, I didn't even know that professional uh, music industries or film and TV or theater, I knew nothing that these things were, were um, you know, professional industries in our province. I had no, let alone Canada. And um, so I had, a, I had a slow entrance in, you know, I was, I was felt like I was a kid from the bush that didn't know much. <laughs> I had some talents, sure, but I didn't know exactly how to... Um, you know, be be this person in the bigger world, and it took me it took me some doing. So to have you know Gabriel Dumont Institute, which is you know when we started connecting as professionals, Leah, we go way back. We do. My very first CD was launched with the Gabriel Dumont Institute and the Drops of Brandy, which were the our our traditional fiddlers. So it was things like that of having support from the community as well as holding my hands as I took my courageous steps because it did take courage, you know? It really did for you, Andrea. And I remember a highlight for me was our release party at the historic Broadway theater where we took Métis fiddling and our top fiddlers of the day respected by our community. And we put them with you in a contemporary (laughs) artist. What a delight. It was so great. It was my other memory of you, Andrea. And I just love to hear a little reflection all these years later. I, 
fell in love with you even more as a theater vocalist when you did the Batosh performance mm-hmm. and you sang those beautiful songs and you were right at the back to Batosh days. So you must have went two weeks straight at public performance. What do you remember about doing things right in our historic homeland? Like back to Batosh is the Métis event of the year. Oh, it was, that was a big deal, you know? And, you know, I think maybe one of the proudest moments, besides all the fun things that theater actors do, I mean, I got to meet, you know, some of our Métis-specific theater actors, you know, which I hadn't really met because I was in university and I was just meeting a whole bunch of theater actors, but Métis-specific actors was so exciting to connect with. Um, And we sang some songs from Don Freed and we were performing the show. So one of my favorite things about that time, of course, just being in Batosh every day and having dust in your nose every day while we jigged in the, in the dirt. It was so exciting. And, you know, and smelling firewood and, and, and people cooking bannock and, you know, like just oh. having that experience in a theater. I like, I'm working, this is my job, but it's also my cultural um, heritage just right outside my tent door was really great. But, you know, one of the highlights, I think, was in the rehearsal process for that show. I mean, it had been a relaunch. I think it had been done before, but this was a big year. What was it? The 120? It was something like that. Yeah. Anniversary yeah, like of, of the resistance, I think. It was a pretty big time, you know, so there was a little bit of, of glamour around this event, you know. And so they did a relaunch and I was recast in the young ingenue role and we were doing the play and I went do you know what we're missing a song here (laughs) we're missing a song and I said do you mind if I you know what if a song comes like and I literally went away for 10 minutes came back with a song it's like the grandmothers just gave me the song and it was called boy for one more day and it's the one that that talks about a a young girl in Batosh who doesn't want her her little young love to go off to war because he's on the He's on, he's about to become a man. And if he becomes a man today, then he has to go off to war. But if he's a boy, then he gets to stay with the women and children. So that was the, that that was kind of, that's kind of one. I'm really proud of that. (laughs) I almost was in tears when I watched you perform that. My, that was one of my, so proud of you to see you take that community and have all of us in the audience crying. And we felt your heart. Mm. <laughs> Andrea. Thank you. Well, that's my job. <laughs> yeah, it's your job and you do it well. Andrea, can you think of a specific moment when drawing on your Metis roots, where those Metis roots helped you in a challenging moment in your career? Hmm. That's a good question. Well, uh, everything, every, this whole industry that I'm in, whether it's the music industry or the film and television industry, it can be kind of, <laughs> um, what's the word I want to use? Okay, toxic. <laughs> it can be, it can be dangerous for your well-being. It has some built-in um dreams that you know like fame and fortune sort of built into the goals of these industries and they can be really hard on a person they can be really draining of your integrity and so whenever I would feel that pull or that um, pressure to be a certain way or to do things a certain way that is expected in the industry I would just I would fall back on who I really am and who my ancestors are and who my family is and how how in 
grounded they are at how, you know, how integrity, they have integrity. And I didn't ever want to be someone out of integrity or I was going to quit because I knew I would not survive in industries like this if I had to be somebody I'm not. So literally going back to my roots, going back to the, to our, our values, our Métis values, just literally saved my life. I don't think I would have survived in this industry without having something that grounded me, that my spiritual connection to to the grandmothers, to the teachings, to the land, you know, mother being out in Mother Earth and 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 connecting with who I am has has saved me in all the different industries and all the different expansions that I've made or I've had. I have been able to ground back into who I really am, and that's if that answers your question. It really does, and you know, one of the when I was thinking of talking to you, I thought. What advice would Andrea Menard give a young Métis person entering the entertainment industry? Well, it's the it's the um, advice I would have given myself too, right? As we grow older, but for sure, in the entertainment industry, whether it's music or film and television or theater, you you will get a lot of rejection, and that can be really hard on a person's heart. It can be hard on their ego. It can be hard on their confidence. And already when you come from a community that has had some silencing happening, you know that we have, you know, you need to have some strong inner fortitude. So what I say to anyone who is called in the arts, because we've got so many talented people in our community, that if you are called, if you have a talent in, and you like singing or you play guitar or you play fiddle or you dance or you love to tell stories, or you're an actor. If these are your calls or you're a painter like you, Leah, mm-hmm. follow it. That is what you're here to do. That is what your contribution to this planet is. Um, you are You are wanted and needed for balancing. You know, your contribution is needed to to bring... Are missing voices to the table and the industries may not be the most welcoming places but do not let that stop you I mean people did it before you and we will be here to hold your hand coming forward but do not let your own fear of rejection um, stop you keep going after the nose keep going after the nose I mean after you receive a no keep going anyway exactly yeah and you don't um um, don't necessarily believe that that's something about your talent. The nose, can uh, just, yeah. you don't look the part, you're not tall enough, you're not this, you're not, you know. And if you take it personally, then you will use that as an excuse to stop. Don't stop. Just don't. Oh, my goodness. Excellent advice. I wish mm. I had that when I was 20. <laughs> me, me Andrea, that is beautiful words. I want to add a, a little to that. You know, I'm like you, I'm self-taught. I've had to train myself. We weren't in a community where we had these leaders doing this kind of work around the arts in in the arts beyond our community. And I think one of the words of advice that you said, just stay who you are, keep working to contribute. And I think that's such a great message for our young people. Yeah, imagine, Leah, if you would have stopped because you weren't trained, because I wasn't trained either, right? I don't know how to read music. I still don't know how to read music. But it doesn't mean that I don't have something to contribute. And like, imagine you didn't go to art school at necessarily, you know, to get this uh, degree in the beginning. 
But look, if you would have stopped, we would not have our Leah Dorian today. There we go. Or our Andrea <laughs> Menard and our beautiful <laughs> projects. Andrea, right? I really admire your prolific work. Uh, your CD recordings are so absolutely a gift to our community. Can you share an inside story about making your own CD just for our listeners so they know kind of the inside scoop on what it takes and what you've learned? Oh my gosh. Well, I started way back in the day when CDs were a big deal, you know? There I mean, you you when you hired musicians, you had or when you wanted music on your CD, you hired musicians. You didn't use a loop or a um, synthesized sound of some sort, you know, computerized digital file. You used real um, musicians. And I loved that. I missed that, you know, because, you know, in a way, we've put out a whole slew, we've, you know, put out to pasture in many ways, so many incredible musicians because they're being replaced. But back then, I knew nothing about this industry. I knew nothing about how to record, how much it costs. And my first CD, because I used musicians, because I had, it was the jazz album and, and it was, I wanted those, you know, those old sounds of the 40s. The velvet devil's awakening and crawling out of her cage. No more housebroken hound dog, the she-wolves found her stage. You know, they used strings and you had to have some things orchestrated. It cost me $80,000 to do that first album. And of course, for me, that was the most money I'd ever, I like, I panicked. I went, I was like, I cried every time I had to raise it $10,000 because, you know, I didn't know how much this was or I didn't know what this was. So even in the journey of raising the funds was a lifetime of learning for me. So my first album was um, a learning curve like whew, like no other. I recorded it in Montreal at an old famous studio tempo that was kind of one of the biggies in Montreal with um, with some amazing musicians and so it, and we captured it in the old style way on analog, which of course people go, ooh, analog. I remember those days. <laughs> Definitely not digital, but we did it in the old style way so we could capture the 40s. So that was my first album. And then the last three, it, we've they've got. Um, I think my second album was fifty thousand. My next was forty five thousand, and my third was or my fourth was thirty two thousand or something. So I still hire musicians, and I still want that sound of legit um, of m legit musicianship. So I care deeply because my longtime collaborator collaborator Robert Walsh is non-indigenous man who is very 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 talented and he without him I don't think I'd have these CDs so I surrounded myself with really really good musicians great engineers you know so I may not have been necessarily the trained one in music but I definitely always surrounded myself with really good people so that I could flourish. Oh, Andrea, so true. And I really appreciate the kitchen party roots and that you're holding true because we both grew up in homes with music. My right. dad on fiddle, uncles on guitar, and the aunties <laughs> harmonizing in the kitchen. Right. It's a glorious Métis way of being. And you've never left that and you're supporting the arts community. Andrea, another thing I want to talk to you about is Michif language. And mm -hmm. you are a supporter of language preservation. It's endangered. Can you share with our listeners 
your experience in trying to integrate Michif language into your artistic practice? Mm. Well, I have, um, you know, my Mamere and Papere are both gone and they've been gone a very, very, very long time. And they spoke Michif French and I, and English, obviously, when my dad was born, they stopped, they stopped speaking their language. So my dad lost it, which meant our family lost it. And, you know, so I didn't get to hear the language only when I stayed with them as a kid. I remember them fighting. They would fight in Michif. <laughs> <laughs> good colorful <laughs> arguments um but for me you know i was amazed at at families that still had language keepers in their families and i grew up in cree territory like my family's sort of in you know saint laurent and fisher branch which is around treaty 2 territory in manitoba so in a way i never lived there so all those languages I weren't close to, Anishinaabe or Cree, you know, and so I grew up in Cree territories my entire life. I moved all over the Prairie Provinces and I was always in Cree territory. So my teachers and, and the language that was similar, familiar to my ear was Cree. And, you know, unless I would be able to find old aunties and, you know, but everyone's past, right? So, so for me, I always... I wanted, I know that I wasn't a speaker, but I knew that if I sang, if I could get something translated, you know, even though translation into English is very difficult, most most translators go, oh, Andrea, like this does not make sense, like the way you wrote it, uh -huh. Cree or <laughs> so I get that. I've learned a lot um, that the way we speak and think is different as an English speaker or as a Cree speaker, for instance. But for me, I knew that I wanted, if I, if I could sing it, then it would always be, it could be in existence. I could I could record it and it could be in recorded forever. And it would also make me learn it. It would make me learn it. And so I've had um, even French. So I have some French in some of my songs. I have some Michif. I have some Cree. And I have a little bit of Anishinaabe. So I've got like all I've got a dialect of Michif dialect from Saint Paul de Metis. I've got a uh, Red River dialect. So I'm mm -hmm. And I've got Cree from, you know, northern Saskatchewan. So I'm, I'm, I'm just always, I'll, I'm definitely going to be a learner for the rest of my life. Oh, you're not the only one. I'm in the same boat, Andrea. My, my father and was fluent in um, a Cree language from Cumberland mm -hmm. House, Saskatchewan, with a bit of Michif sprinkled in there. And it's always something I personally do is try to sing myself mm. back into my language. And I find what you're doing, I've been a very strong supporter of because I notice when I sing and I bring that language to this beautiful space of singing, mm. it stays with me on a spiritual, emotional level. So God bless you for the work and mm -hmm. singing yourself into your language. Andrea, can you share with us some of your projects you've got in the works? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm so excited. You know, it's a pandemic, supposedly, but I seem to be busier than I've been in years. Um, I have, weirdly enough, a symphony show, a new um, symphony pops concert of all original music. And it's it's me. I'm really, it's really important to me that I share my Métis history, my culture, my heart, my purpose, you know, all, all through my cultural Culture, culturally specific music um, and it's called Rubaboo so it's like a big pot of yes it is a Rubaboo stew and so in this concert um, I'm re I'm debuting it with the Regina Symphony Orchestra but I have a little call in with the Toronto Symphony and who knows I'm pitching it all over who knows maybe Rubaboo will be all across this country 
Um, and at but this the show I'm debuting with the Regina Symphony, I've also released a new song that the grandmothers whispered to me to um, to do with the symphony. And I said, it's not done. What are we doing that song for? And I said, and we'll have to get it orchestrated. I'll have to get it recorded. What are you nuts? Arguing with the grandmothers. Never, it's never a worthwhile thing to do. Um, but I actually did end up getting it orchestrated. I ended up recording it. And it's a song called Where is God in This Place? And it's a song about an older woman's, an elder, a woman's journey of trying to understand her time in residential school. And it's a song that I wrote because I was inspired by all the grassroots movements that were trying to get Pope Francis to come to Canada and apologize to the residential school survivors. And I know that, you know, some of these, these grassroots movements, you know, have, are still going or ongoing or some fell off. And, but I, that's why I was inspired to write the song. And that was three years ago, but five years later, we still haven't received an apology. So this song seems more adamant than ever. And, you know, um, and I spoke to some of our Métis residential school survivors and day school survivors, and, and they've heard the song and they said, this is good. This is good, my girl you know, this is needed now. This is good for healing. So I'm honored to bring that forward. You know, I, I, I was hoping I'd be able to sing it for the Pope one day and maybe I will. Um, but that's coming up. Oh, you know what song I'm doing for the first time too at this Rubaboo concert is the return of the Bell of Batoche too. I am more than a tale of a stolen bell. I am more than a trophy of war. That's orchestrated for symphonies for the first time too. So I have a couple drum songs. I have Boy for One More Day, which we were talking about from the Batash musical. So that's also orchestrated. So yeah, it's, I'm really proud that this whole, you know, more of who I am and my Mitchiv culture is in my symphony show instead of all my jazz stuff, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's like your roots just keep getting more strong as you get into this eldership phase, Andrea. Right? You're, you're your mischief roots keep coming back and guiding your work. It's funny how that happens to all of us. Hey, <laughs> right? Turn 15, look what happens. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought, eh? And I guess the, the big thing too that's exciting is I have finished after years and years, Leah, you would know, is um, a deck of wisdom cards. And I've been working on them for a long time and they're called Seeds from the Sacred Feminine, which is more of the work that I do to empower people and to slow this world down, you know, this imbalanced world to remind mm -hmm. people of, of our, our gentle natures and the stillness, the wisdom of indigenous teachings and feminine teachings and earth-based teachings, right? So this is my work and Leah, uh, you know, I have to tell this to your audience, Leah, I'm bragging for Leah here, is that she is the artist that I've collaborated with on in the, they're called Seeds from the Sacred Feminine and someday they'll be out. <laughs> <laughs> they will someday you can't keep good women down <laughs> oh Andrea and I'm just going to encourage our listeners to check out your website you have a beautifully designed website there's lots of examples of your work in all your various artistic fields so just a reminder to check out Andrea at www.andreamenard.com if you want to follow her career any other ways to get a hold of you Andrea and follow you that you'd recommend yeah, I'm on all the socials either Andrea Menard or Andrea Menard music on most of um, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook um, I also have my new company it's called Sacred Feminine 
womenandlearninglodge.com. Um, that's brand new. So it's, you know, ho hopefully it'll even come up in Google, <laughs> Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge. But that's sort of the stuff that's was just, you know, I'm just beginning to launch now. So yeah, thanks for asking, Leah. Thank you for sharing. Now we're just rolling up here and I have a, a question I want to ask you is, do you have any specific Métis people that you would like to acknowledge who have deeply influenced your career oh or your personal oh, life? I'd like to acknowledge Maria Campbell. She has been a great, great, great influence in my life. She was, mm -hmm. you know, the first person to, um, you know, kind of have be famous in our community that I knew of and, and how she stayed grounded and she and always determined to bring her Métis community up with her. And I was amazed at how someone could do that because as a young 20 year old, you're just like, well, how do you just survive in this, you know, let alone bring your community with you? I went, wow, how do you do it? And so I, I got to see what it looked like. And I'd like to thank, you know, my, my auntie, She's probably more of a cousin, but my auntie, Diane DeMarc, she was also one of the, you know, besides my parents, you know, she was also one of the a Métis auntie who was a writer and who was passionate and, and a creative and artistic. And, and she just published her first book. So in a way, I'm, I'm really grateful to her influence and her camaraderie. Like she was always a, a strong believer in me. Um, Leah, I'd like to thank you. You being in my life has been so like, if you weren't there as, as a person from Gabriel Dubon Institute, as someone who believed in me, you know, I may not have been as brave to do what I've done. Like you just, you, you didn't hesitate when you brought me to the stage and brought me together with, uh, with our elders, you know, cause I mean, none of my music really had fiddle, you know, tunes. So I wouldn't have necessarily thought of that. So, you know, your groundedness and your talent and your and your work has has uh, sung in my bones as and and that's been really important. Cindy Godet, who is a deeply deeply respected, you know, teacher and and guide for me. She's been an editor for me and I adore her. Shannon Ludit, you know. Oh, yeah, Shannon Ludit is another. She's an honor runner in our community, and she's been a dear friend and and a teacher of what what honoring really looks like. So I've had some beautiful teachers. Thank you so much for those acknowledgments. Mm -hmm. We are a part of a beautiful community, and I look forward to the next twenty five years and watching both of us share our love of Métis Mitchif heritage with our community. Thank you, Andrea Menard. Thank you, Leah. That's it for this episode of Picky UK. Come and visit a Métis Nation Saskatchewan and Canadian Geographic podcast. Picky UK is produced by David McGuffin of Explore Podcast Productions. Our opening and closing theme music is by Métis fiddler Adam Daniel and me, Leah Dorian. And if you enjoy this podcast, give us a five-star rating or write a review. Also, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and tell your friends about us on social media. I'm Leah Marie Dorian. Until next time, keep up the midden. See you later. Hey,